Recording from the Sunshine City, St. Petersburg, Florida, overlooking beautiful Tampa Bay, this is the Sonography Lounge, sponsored by Gulf Coast Ultrasound Institute. This podcast is dedicated to medical professionals and patients around the world interested in diagnostic and interventional ultrasound. Our podcast will discuss everything ultrasound, from news, trends, career paths, new technology, and industry updates. Hosted by Lori Green and Trisha Rio of Gulf Coast Ultrasound Institute, they bring over four decades of experience in the ultrasound profession and are here to guide you through this journey. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Sonography Lounge, sponsored by Gulf Coast Ultrasound Institute, where we discuss everything ultrasound. I'm Laurie Green, and I will be co-hosting today's episode with Trisha Rio. Hey, everybody. Today, we are discussing musculoskeletal ultrasound because it has proven to be a beneficial diagnostic tool for orthopedics, sports medicine, rehabilitation, and a host of other practitioners. It helps identify structural changes within the tissues and the joints, detect fluid collections, and visualize cartilage and bony surfaces. One of the great benefits is the real-time capability of ultrasound, which allows for dynamic evaluation of joints and tendons and can particularly be helpful in needle guidance and localization when we're doing interventional procedures. Yep, and we are so excited to have with us today Dr. Charles Stevens. He's going to join us to discuss how he is integrating MSK ultrasound into his physical therapy practice. Dr. Stevens is a doctor of physical therapy and the owner-operator of Mobile Therapy Services in Dallas, Pennsylvania, which is a geriatric outpatient therapy house call practice. He has a passion for geriatrics and evidence-based therapy. In January 2023, he earned his RMSK credential, which is the highest level of proficiency in diagnostic ultrasound. Welcome, Charles. Happy to be here on the show with you guys and happy to share my passion with diagnostic ultrasound with our our viewers and listeners. Thanks. Thanks Yes. We're so excited to have you here. So why don't you begin by telling us just a little bit about what prompted you to pursue your training in MSK ultrasound and also go on to get your RMSK credential. Great. I have to give my credit to my, my girlfriend, Dr. Riddy Shaw. She's a hospitalist and, and she's the one that, you know, you know, mentioned to me about diagnostic musculoskeletal ultrasound. I was at some conferences and I was aware that physical therapists can do it. And I was like, wow, this is a really neat modality. In terms of physical therapy, you know, we're looking to be different. There are a lot of therapy providers in our area, and I knew that this would be something that would differentiate my practice from all the other practices here in northeastern Pennsylvania. So it was a really big practice and differentiator. Patients love it. If I can show them, they're like, hey, it hurts here on my shoulder. I can show them, well, like, hey, you have a rotator cuff there. There's a, a, a joint swelling or there's arthritis. You know, it really helps with the patient experience. But it has really changed several patients' medical care, but we found rheumatological issues such as gout in, in people's joints and infections in joints and that kind of thing. So with, without the ultrasound, you know, it, it, the person might have had more complications with their health. And because we were able to do it, it strengthens the relationship with the physician community and also it's changed people's medical care directly for sure. That's awesome. That is so awesome. And I'm sure that for your patients, that they definitely appreciate the ability of being able to actually see what's going on with their with their joint or their tendon or their ligament and so forth so that they have a better understanding of why you're doing the physical therapy and, and the process of, of their healing. Yep. The patients absolutely love to see what's going on. 
you know, to see inside the body like that and to be able to move because no other real form of imaging the patient can move and, and PTs, we, we really are the musculoskeletal experts and movement-based experts in the medical community. Mm-hmm. So for us to be able to do this and have the patient move and do special tests or even teach people how to activate muscles with imaging, like with the transverse abdominis, I could have this on, you know, Trisha's abdomen and I could teach her how to activate her transverse abdominis muscle in the abdomen. It helps for lower back rehab. We could also get cross-sectional area of like the multifidi muscles in the lower back. The person can start therapy. I could measure the thickness of those muscles, treat them for six to 10 weeks, go back and re-image and measure the, the hypertrophy or the, so it's really cool stuff and patients love it. Doctors love it. We have people that come with plantar fasciitis. I can measure the thickness of the plantar fascia. More than four millimeters would be a you know indicative of plantar fasciitis, and I can treat them, measure them the first day, and go back and re-measure them. You know, four weeks out, eight weeks out, and I have pictures of people's plantar fascia where we've treated them, and the proofs in the pudding. Their symptoms got better, but the thickness of the plantar fascia diminished as that the tissues were offloaded. So. No other, you know, else in medicine. If we, I don't think we're going to see this this kind of movement based imaging. And, and the PTs are really, you know, if we can do it, it, it makes sense for our profession to to image these people. And I have some really really cool case examples as well that we'll talk about, and where you would see pathology on the imaging, and we might see Casey. You might say, Hey, Charles, my elbow really hurts me, and we might find tendonitis in his elbow or maybe a radial lateral ligament tear. Maybe the pain's coming from his neck, and even though we see pathology in the elbow joint, that doesn't mean that's where his elbow pain is coming from. So we got some really cool examples here coming up. That's That's so awesome. I know. And it's funny because you always hear the saying, knowledge is power, but I think in healthcare, knowledge is compliance because when patients are informed, they tend to be more compliant with their treatment. They tend to stay more on on plan with, you know, what you have them doing. And then, you know, patient satisfaction is a huge thing for especially companies like yourself, you know, business owners where you're small practice, you don't have a huge corporate backing. So having satisfied patients is super important. And I can imagine that showing them their before and after, even though they're like, oh, yeah, my symptoms are better, but seeing it and seeing it before and saying, okay, I'm I'm buying into this treatment and then seeing it after, I'm sure that brings your satisfaction scores through the roof. We have very low, so commonly in outpatient physical therapy, there's issues with patient compliance, people dropping off, not completing their plan of care. We don't have that problem. People come and they would bring their friend, their family, their spouse. We have about a two to three months waiting list right now, which is a blessing. Just do probably partly due to the ultrasound that we're doing. But, you know, people leave other therapy practices to come here because we can do it. And it, it really, it's a game changer. And it, the physician community loves it too because... You know, I know when to pick up the phone and call the orthopedic surgeon or the rheumatologist or the primary care doctor. It's 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 really changed some people's outcomes and trajectory of their health care. Um, yeah, fantastic. Well, I know that you and I came to get to know each other a lot better because you took on the grueling challenge of earning your RMSK. And mm-hmm. you were part of our Facebook group for those preparing for their registry exams. So can you just tell us why you believe that physical therapists should pursue training in MSK ultrasound and go on to achieve the RMSK credential? Yes, for sure. Yeah. So, you know, we already talked a little bit about physical therapists. We we are very optimally positioned, unfortunately, with primary care and the shift of, of payment structures for primary care physicians. They don't get a lot of time to spend with patients. 
So Trisha goes in to see the primary care doctor or an orthopedic surgeon and she has shoulder pain. They may do point of care ultrasounds. There's, there's not a lot of that being done in my area right now, but with the PT, we do a diagnostic ultrasound and also screen out her cervical spine and make sure that her shoulder pain is not coming from her neck. So I, I think it makes sense for physical therapists to learn it, especially with the movement based off. It also has roles in terms of, you know, neuromuscular re-education with, you know, lumbar stabilization with transverse abdominis activation. Really, really cool there. The, the RMSK, I think, you know, we haven't really gotten a lot of bad feedback from referral sources or physicians in our area, but, you know, but it is, it's different. Like we're thinking outside the box, like, physical therapist doing point of care ultrasound like that would be like 20 years ago if i said you can go on your phone and go on amazon you'd be like charlotte that's crazy <laughs> i don't need it i don't need a phone to go on the, on the internet i have a computer look, look at oh, now yeah. so this is at the cutting edge of medicine northeast pennsylvania i'm changing the way that you know the, the medical system is thinking about physical therapy and we do have direct access we can treat for up to 30 days without a referral so you know lori comes in off the street you know, I'll, I'll be able to, she's pain in her foot, she's a runner, does, does she have a stress fracture? Is this something I need to triage or get further imaging on? So it makes a ton of sense for point of care direct access, which we do have here in Pennsylvania and Florida does as well. The RMSK, it makes sense. I mean, the general public would not recognize what that is, but peer to peer, you know, we've had orthopedic surgeons. We had a patient with a total hip replacement that had ongoing pain I picked up the phone and called the orthopedic surgeon. I said, hey, this gentleman has a partial thickness tear of his rectus femoris, a direct head on off, originating off the anterior iliac spine. He had a previous hip replacement and he had to go back in and pinned it. He had some other crazy, crazy pain going on. And I knew there wasn't something right going on within this hip. And I kept referring him back to the physician and he did, he is going for a second. He went for a second opinion and now he's going to Philadelphia for unfortunately another surgery on, on this hip. So. Peer to peer, I mean, it makes sense. It's it's a it would be like if I told Casey I play piano at Carnegie Hall, he'd be like, "Hey, Charles knows his piano." Like peer to peer, it makes sense, and you know, I can have those conversations. I've called some radiologists where we found some about I think one of Dr. Jacobson's lectures. He talks about peroneal nerve cysts, peroneal nerve cysts causing foot drop. I found that in several people, and we've sent the people for MRIs and. I've picked up the phone and called the radiologists and reviewed imaging reports with them. And it, it helps with that peer-to-peer -peer discussion that, hey, Charles isn't fly by night and picked up an ultrasound probe and started waving at people. He did his due diligence and put his time in. And you guys had a great program. I did purchase John Jacobson's practice exam, which really I think was instrumental as well. And all the in-person training we did last August with your live seminar, that was helpful too. And I think I urge PTs to get it. Right now, there are some reimbursement issues for us to get paid with this. And I think the more advocacy we do and the more people that have this, it would be like ECS, which PTs can do EMG and nerve conduction studies where they have to be board certified in that. We need more PTs to do this, that we can go back and advocate to Medicare and, and, and to insurance companies that, you know, we really are qualified to do this and that we should be paid for our movement knowledge and expertise. And particularly once we get to the case examples of hey, I'm ultrasounding these people, they're coming in, Charles, my foot and ankle hurts. The lady didn't even have any back pain. Part of her foot and ankle pain was coming from an L5 nerve getting compressed in her lower back, causing foot and ankle pain. You know, that's a quick story I was getting delved into where we had a patient come in, 
referred by orthopedics. The patient had foot and ankle pain. She had a Haglund's deformity on the her calcaneus. She had some extra bone there that was pressing on her Achilles tendon, causing foot and ankle pain. She came in to see me. She didn't complain of any back pain. I ultrasounded the symptomatic heel. I ultrasounded the heel that did not hurt. She had a larger bone spur on the asymptomatic limb, which is even crazy to think about. I had her lay on her belly and I palpated her L5 facet. I said, does that hurt? And she said, yeah. We previously palpated her Achilles tendon and the, the, the Hagman's for me and she was tender. I treated her lower back and I went back and repalpated the, the tender spot on her heel and her pain went away. Mm. She went back to the ortho and was like, Charles treated my lower back and my heel pain went away. He's like, what? Mm. Like that wasn't even on their radar. It wasn't even like, so that's the benefit of physical therapy. And her ankle looked awful. Like there was an awful osteophyte and the Hagman's for me was horrendous. But like she, the lady went back to teach in Zumba. Um, she's a Zumba instructor who teaches two or three days a week. She's pain-free at this point in time and avoided a surgery. And we talk about cost saving to Medicare and to insurance companies. I saw her maybe four times, point of care ultrasounds. Maybe they spent five hundred dollars on this lady's therapy. One MRI would cost you know eight times you know what what this was, and we fixed the problem without surgery, injections, or medication. Wow. So I get fired up. Yeah. yeah so I do. I urge any PTs listening, I do urge them to pursue formal RMSK and then to look you guys up and purchase some of the practice tests. It's hard. It's harder than the PT boards. There's a ton of physics on it. That's, it's a challenge to do it, but it, it helps with peer-to-peer -peer recognition. And you know, one of the reasons I wanted to do it was to teach, to teach other medical providers. And I think that you know, the RMSK would be a peer-to-peer -peer recognition of like, hey, like, Charles has done his due diligence. Well, so. that's awesome. Absolutely. Well, there's no doubt about it. Being, yeah. being certified, you know, it demonstrates your proficiency levels and your credibility. It, it helps, like you said, with your peer-to-peer -peer discussions, but also giving, even though a patient might not know exactly what, that's, what, what that entails, it, they at least know that you've gone through the process of you know, taking formal a national training, board yeah. and some formal training, and, yep. and that gives them more confidence in, mm -hmm. uh, in what you're telling them and showing them on an ultrasound. So, you know, and then just the, like the fact is, you know, MRIs are a lot more expensive. You can't get the dynamic imaging that you can with ultrasound and the, the ability to be able to do that at the bedside in conjunction with your physical exam and um, can really shorten the time frame that they, it takes for them to get their treatment and right. effective results so yeah. and money <laughs> so yeah there definitely are many many benefits to be thinking about integrating the use of ultrasound into physical therapy practices for sure yeah mm -hmm. and congratulations to you yes. you worked so incredibly hard to earn that credential and thank you were you, so you. active in that group I, every day i was just I like there's charles the like charles is messing me again questions <laughs> Dr. Jacob is probably like, Charles, is there any more questions about ultrasound? But, uh, at, the end, at the end, he said, I, you should just give him my email address. I'm like, oh, okay. I'm sure he has it <laughs> in his okay. syllabi. Uh, I won't blow him up too much, but um, <laughs> I, he, he'll, he'll love to see these case reports we have with the pictures and what I did to help these people. I can't wait. We'll have to get him a copy of this webinar. Oh, for sure. Yes, yes. yeah. I'm actually absolutely. talking to him right after this podcast, so oh, I'll make sure you? that I mention. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah well, that, that kind of transitions into our, our next question about utilizing, um, you know, giving us some patient examples where MSK made a change in 
the trajectory of the patient's treatment and physical therapy. Yeah, you've got some good cases yeah. for us, right? We're excited to see. Yeah. Yes. We, we have some good cases. The first case, all these patients have given consent to share images, share their likeness, share their story. They're very passionate about the physical therapy they receive and also the imaging where you know, we've, it, it changed some of their medical care. So the first patient was a former professional football player. As you can imagine, he's pretty banged up. He's over the age of 50. Big dude, loves lifting weights, never wants to stop training. And I love bodybuilding and lifting too, so we kind of bonded over that. He came in and was complaining of shoulder pain. I did do a diagnostic ultrasound on him, and we'll, we'll share my screen in a moment. Um, he had large full thickness tears of supraspinatus and, and subscapularis with a large joint effusion in the long head of the bicep, which shout out to Dr. John Jacobson, the long head and the bicep does communicate with the shoulder joint. So, uh, <laughs> so we, we saw some, you know, so we have these images of, and it's, it looks absolutely horrendous. If we show these images to Dr. Jacobson, he'd say, Hey, when is that guy going for surgery? And I have a before video of him moving the arm. We have an after video of him moving the arm. And I not only treated the shoulder, but some of his pain was coming from his neck, even though he didn't complain of much <clears throat> neck pain. Also, he had some symptoms of thoracic outlet syndrome where I did mobilize his first rib and some of the upper, upper ribs around the neck and the brachial plexus, which immediately took some pressure off some of the remaining musculature. So I think probably physiologically what happened, we took some pressure off the brachial plexus there are protocols in physical therapy to retrain the deltoid muscle to compensate for full thickness tears of the rotator cuff. So he was so strong in his deltoid. And I think by mobilizing the mid cervical spine, particularly the C5 nerve root, we helped neural efficiency to the deltoid and the remaining rotator cuff musculature to eliminate his pain and range of motion deficits. So I guess we can, I'll share my screen. Why don't we start with the video? A picture's worth a thousand words. Oh. I'm going to pull up the video here and share my screen. So I'm going to mute my. Right, so here's my patient the first day. Obviously, you can see it's his right upper extremity. I asked him how much pain did he have with that, and you can see he's clearly grimacing. It was severe pain. So we treated this gentleman a handful of sessions, and you can see the fact that he can EV duct his arm at all, once we see these pictures, is pretty astounding. So here's a little back, back story on this gentleman. Four sessions of physical therapy, here was our outcome. Whoa. His pain went away. And he's shaking, I said, do you have any pain? He shook his head, no. He's not grimacing. And then he talks a little bit about his therapy and what we did and, and our outcome. Um, so why don't we take a look at maybe some of his images? So I'm gonna minimize that. And we have a few images here. Can everybody see these images? Yes. Yeah. Yep. So unfortunately, I did mislabel this. This is a long axis view of the subscapularis. So we have this anterior deltoid muscle, which probably is what was compensating for the full thickness tear. Here's some remnants of the greater tuberosity with cortical irregularity, a thickened subacromial subdeltoid bursa. Not much fibers are coming across through this area. He had a large full thickness tear of his, his subscapularis. I did get a short axis image of that as well. There's one bundle of, of rem, rem, remnant of, of fiber here, but he had really large tears of, of the full, full thickness through the subscapularis. His supraspinatus, I'm gonna to try to get that up here. Um, 
And here's another short axis view of the subscapularis scanned a little bit inferior to the greater tuberosity. This is more of the muscular attachment to the, to the humerus. So again, we have overlying deltoid and just a hollow concavity of, of the subscapularis muscle belly. We're going to come into his supraspinatus. This picture really says a lot. So, yeah. you know, as Dr. Jacobson pointed out, cortical irregularity along the greater tuberosity is not a good positive sign of an intact cuff. We have his overlying anterior deltoid. We have his thickened subacromial subdeltoid bursa. We have a little bit of a cartilage interface sign here with fluid underneath, some part of a tendon, and there's really no tendon fibers coming across into the greater tuberosity. We have a short axis view as well of this gentleman of, of supraspinatus. So we have part of the rotator interval. There's the long head of the bicep. There's really not much supraspinatus fibers here at all. So four sessions of physical therapy, and we resolved his pain, and that was in the presence of a very, very large tear. We do have another example I could get into. We had a patient, it didn't, it didn't particularly change his medical care a ton, but the patient's name is Roger. Here's a picture of Roger. He's going to be famous. I told him he'll be on the webinar. <laughs> so he's sponsored by New Step. I'm teasing him. But he came in, he had knee replacements and developed some arthrofibrosis of his knees. He came to physical therapy with about 70 degrees worth of knee flexion years, years, years after the total knee. I've worked on him, we treated not only his knee, but his foot and his ankle, his SI joint, his lumbar spine, uh, both his hip capsules. I've got him to about 85 degrees worth of knee flexions. He's almost able to get out of a chair a little better. The ultrasound came in, his first day of physical therapy, this gentleman came in and here's what I saw. He said, oh, I was getting on the back of my ATV and I heard a pop. And this oh. is his pop fossa. I said, wow, I've never seen anybody rupture a hamstring. I said, well, why don't we take a look? So we start scanning them. So I have some images here. I'm gonna get, so this is a short axis view of, of his semitendinosis. There is a fragment of avulse bone that peeled off from his ischial tuberosity. This is where that semitendinosis would be residing. Some of the conjoined tendon above. Here's where the semitendinosis would be. And there was nothing on, on color Doppler that we saw. So that's remnants of where, where the, in the fascia that semitendinosis would be residing. We have another long, long axis view of where the semitendinosis would be. And there's nothing. There's no fibers there. And we have another short axis view of where the semitendinosis would be with, again, an avulsed bone fragment from the issue of tuberosity. Believe it or not, this gentleman has no pain. He had a full thing here of the semitendinosis with retraction and not, you know, a bone fragment that did come off with it. He's pain-free. We are so working on his knee range of motion. If I never ultrasounded him, he never would have known he ruptured the tendon. It didn't really change his medical care, but I did call his referring physician and say, hey, FYI, Roger did, you know, have a full sickness tear of one of his hamstring heads, but he has no motor weakness as a result, and, and he's still participating in physical therapy. Wow. So, Those are great cases. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. I'm trying yes. to get back into the... There we go, and I'll stop sharing my screen. All right. <laughs> Just great. I'm trying to... 
I took a lot of notes while you were talking, so I have to put this all together here. (laughs) So on your first, the rotator cuff that you did with Jerry, so Mm -hmm. full thickness tear, you saw the cortical regularity. Explain to us why that cortical regularity is so important. I think it's I think it's all seventy five percent predictive value in terms of tearing of the supraspinatus, especially at that footprint. So um, it's really showing that the you know especially on the articular articular surface that the supraspinatus has torn those articular fibers. His did extend all the way from the articular surface up through the mid portion of the tendon into the bursal surface. So it's a it's if I you know if you see that on ultrasound it's a giveaway that there definitely is pathology in that supraspinatus tendon and very predictive of, of you know, tearing of that, that, that subsequent tendon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Do you have any questions, Lori? No, those were oh, great, those great, were great cases. cases. And, you know, I think, I think the importance of the, in particular, the shoulder cases, there's so many people who have uh, full thickness tears and they think their only alternative is to go to surgery. And, and, you know, that kind of outlines that, you know, there are some other, possible things that they can do, such as physical therapy in the hands of the appropriate clinician, and that they may maybe could avoid having surgery. And and then there's other techniques, you know, regenerative medicine and things like that. But typically you you know, the thought process, at least in the patient population and some of the some of the provider providers that are out there that, you know, this is basically gone and you don't really have another option but surgery. But, you know, it's great to see that you've got a before and an after, and this isn't like the only case, you know, that that, it, that you've been able to help your patients through using ultrasound in combination with your physical therapy to get them where they need to be. And I know we've had a couple of our patient standardized patient models in the past that, you know, they're a little older, they're in their 80s, they love to play golf, and next thing you know, they've they've torn the rotator cuff and full thickness tears and they've gone, you know, on to have some physical therapy and are back to playing golf when they've been told you're going to have to have surgery and shoulder surgery is not at least, I know many people have had yeah. rotator cuff Let's surgery. Let's be real. And it is not fun, right? It's not fun. And, and the, it doesn't have a great success rate. Right. And, the, and it's a lot of therapy, right? You know, it takes a while. A lot is painful. I think the data point might be something along the lines of like two out of three people over the age of 65 have rotator cuff tearing, even in the absence of pain. It's a normal finding. So there were, you know, this imaging that's done on asymptomatic people in the population. You know, we're very surprised who comes in and we, we see crazy stuff with the ultrasound and I might treat somewhere else in the body, you know, even knee issues. You'll see meniscus tears and, you know, arthritic changes to the knee. We have a lady right now on the caseload uh, very arthritic knee, severe tricompartmental arthritis confirmed on x-ray. I have her sit on the edge of physical ter- th- therapy table. I say, hey, Barbara, can you hold your knee out? And I push on it. And she's like, oh, that really hurts. Have her lay on her belly. I treat her lower back. Go back, have her lay on, sit on the edge of the table and push on her knee again. And she's like, oh, my, my knee pain went away. So that's another case where even we can ultrasound her knee. She's in her 80s. It's, it's not going to look good. It's like if you could cut down a tree that's 80 years old. It's got rings on the inside. Her knee pain's not coming from the knee. I treated her. She canceled a total knee replacement. Her pain is still partly coming from her lower back. She's doing great. She goes to the farmer market and lifts these water deadlifts watermelons off the ground or something to kick the butt. Um, 80. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. She's a hoot. So, 
it's interesting, you know, there's not a lot of people in medicine right now having a patient in front of them, ultrasounding them, doing a physical exam and then putting their hands on the patient and treating somewhere aside from where they ultrasounded and like observing like, hey, how does this you know, respond to their concordant complaint and symptoms? So any PTs listening to this, I would you know, urge them to get training and, and pursue RMSK and, and you know, formal education in this. Yeah. yeah, they can join us. We got courses coming up. So. Absolutely. GCUS.com. <laughs> Come on. We're more than happy. That's right. Sure. Florida's great right now. The beautiful weather. Yeah, and it's absolutely. been really nice. Well, I mean, I just, you know, we've heard a lot of cases and a lot of situations where you know, referral pain is a real thing. And if you understand how the spine works and how the spinal cord works and how messages are sent, this makes total sense. And why would we not move toward working as a team, I mean, I understand surgeons are surgeons and that's what they do, they do <laughs> surgery, but we're looking for the best outcomes for our patients overall. And at the end of the day, wouldn't it just be worth the time to say, okay, let's go ahead and put you through six weeks of physical therapy. Let's just see what we can do. Let's make sure that the surgery is actually going to do what we want it to do. For example, the total knee replacement, that's not the first time I've heard that, mm -hmm. that that's not where the pain was actually coming from. Mm -hmm. I think even Dr. David Wang went through that the last time he was here with us right. in January. Mm -hmm. And so why wouldn't we just start with the most conservative method and just keep working our way towards the, the surgical technique as last option? Right? That's the hardest part with our profession. We have people, you know, we had a patient come in, one of our collective working at church, one of our choir members. He has an HVAC company. He fell off a ladder, landed on his arm. To, Hey, Charles, can you do therapy on me after my rotator cuff repair? I said, can you come in first? Like, can I take a look at your, your shoulder? I treated his neck, and I did treat the shoulder some. His pain went away. He canceled a rotator cuff repair. He works in HVAC. He's working overhead all day. He, that arm would never be the same. Therapy was never prescribed to this patient. He fell. They did an MRI. They tore the rotator cuff. Go to surgery. Not, the biggest problem with physical therapy or the healthcare right now, we're not part of the decision-making process. And it's awful. And that money comes from somewhere. I think the data point in 2021, as a country, we spent 25% of all of our healthcare spending on medication that was later deemed unnecessary, some of that pain medication. Yeah. That 25% was more than all of conservative care, physical speech, occupational therapy combined chiropractic and podiatry combined. We don't have a physical therapy problem in this country or an ultrasound problem. We have a medication and procedure problem in this country. Those procedures are going up and up and up. PT, we keep getting cut every year by Medicare and we're at like, we're trying to survive. Like we're not the problem. You know, we need to be more of the front line of musculoskeletal health. And hey, Mrs. Smith comes in, She's got a rotator cuff tear. I treat her for a month that she's no better. Okay, go to ortho. Maybe you need a, a rotator cuff you know, repair. But not that often are people leaving me and then going for surgery. Like, we're, we're fixing their symptoms enough that they're like, hey, I'm pretty good. I'm 80% better. Or like that football player dude, he's lifting weights. He's doing, like, some modified shoulder work. He's happy. You know, if he got a rotator cuff repair, maybe rupture, you can get infection, and he would be out of commission for a long, long time. Right. Yeah. It's a change of mindset and, you know, it's kind uh, of thinking outside of the box, recognizing that there are non-surgical options and, you know, allowing your patient to be able to experience that before moving on to something that's a procedure that's 
has higher level of risk, higher time away from work or mm-hmm. play. And that's exactly more, it. And this constant. is exactly why when we heard what Charles had to offer us today, mm-hmm. we said, you have to come on our podcast. Yeah. Because no it's doubt. also, you know, knowledge, you know, and this yeah. will be helpful. We have, we have many medical professionals that are listening in, but we also have the, you know, public that yeah. just general public listening in. And, and the more that we can help to educate them on what their their treatment options are and diagnostic options are that, you know, everybody's just used to MRI and that's it. And they automatically think I got to get an MRI, you know, but you know, I think that this is this is just a stepping stone, and it's time time <laughs> will tell. But I'm sure that you know the use of ultrasound is expanded exponentially across so many specialty mm-hmm. practices, and and uh, I think it's going to continue to do so. And I think physical therapy is definitely an area where once people become more knowledgeable about the benefits of right. integrating it into clinical practice that they'll wonder why they didn't start doing it. And they're earlier. getting more knowledgeable right. every day out there. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Well, We've done a lot of hand, hand stuff. We treat a lot of thumb, CMC joint arthritis, first yeah. wrist secret tapings, tenosynovitis, ultrasound. We'll ultrasound that first wrist compartment. We'll see tenosynovitis. We'll press on it. It'll hurt. I might go up and start treating the lower cervical spine, C6, C7, the C8 nerve roots, whether exiting between the, the vertebrae, the, the sex joints. A lot of times that thumb pain and thumb arthritis goes away. Yeah. Even though on ultrasound, you put that probe on there, it looks awful. There's cortical irregularity and joint swelling, pain and weakness moving the thumb. Get up and start treating some restrictions in the first rib and the lower cervical spine. A lot of times it goes away. So it's it's crazy, you know, and how many of these people are going getting injected or, you know, getting joints replaced in their yeah. thumb and, you know, maybe it's coming from their neck. It's crazy stuff. Yeah, yes, absolutely. it is. Oh. Well, I guess we should wrap up with yeah. one final question. I mean, I think I know where I see you, but where mm-hmm. do you see yourself in the future in regards to physical therapy and MSK ultrasound? Yeah, so I'd like I'd like to share my passion with this with other medical providers to help teach, you know, other PTs, physician NPs, PAs, you know, orthopedic doctors, rheumatology to help get the word out. And even what we bring probably what I bring to the table is the thinking outside the box of don't get so focused on the patient says, Hey, it hurts in my elbow here and we're scanning there. Even though you see something, that might not be the problem. So I do want to, you know, teach and, and I reached out to our local university here to help maybe part-time there and you know, opportunities to help further this in the medical community and, and teach other people and share my passion with that. Yeah, great. And we're looking forward to having you come down to Gulf Coast Ultrasound yeah. and teach with us. I am ready. That's right. We got people. So anybody listening to this, I want you to now minimize your browser and go to GUS's website <laughs> and sign up for the August class. So... Shout out to everybody listening. Yeah, come go sign up now, and Victoria uh, <laughs> will be happy. And then you can meet me and learn all this crazy stuff with ultrasound and uh, thinking outside the box with some of this medical care. Oh, oh you're awesome! You so much. Yeah. yeah. Well, we we've seen an increasing number of physical therapists coming to our program, so yep. yeah, we'd love to have we love having everybody come, but we'd love to see more physical therapists come as well. And we're, we're growing rapidly with that yeah. application. So and they're a fun group to work with. Yeah, absolutely. 
All right. Well, it looks like we're about out of time. So, Charles, thank you so much for joining us today. This, those were great case examples, and really enjoyed hearing about how you're using ultrasound in your clinical practice and, and sharing all of this great information with our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Charles, for being here with us today. We really appreciate it and appreciate you sharing those cases with us. We also want to give a big thanks to our listeners. You want to be sure to check out this episode on our YouTube channel so you can actually see the cases he presented today during today's episode. And if you have a great idea for some content, we do encourage you to send that to us at sonographylounge at gmail.com. want you to have a great day and happy scanning. That's right. Happy scanning. Thanks for listening to the Sonography Lounge. Don't forget, if you like this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram, at Sonography Lounge, and Twitter, at Sonography LMG. If you have any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, feel free to send an email to us at sonographylounge at gmail.com. Have a great week and scan, scan, scan.